0: Let's scoot this over a little bit. All right. Okay, well, uh, just a quick uh, quick follow-up on the announcements here. I think uh, uh, the picture of L.A. was there, uh, not accidentally. I do appreciate Ned. I told him... Err on being concise. I thought he did a great job. Had a map for the kids and everything like that. Knew right where he was as well. That's good. Um, But this picture of LA is because we are uh, planning on doing a a short-term mission trip. Likely uh, this summer, I think in early June, but we have a, a sister church out in l a and, and it 's a small church and and yet they said, you know, if you could send a team out sometime around the first week of june, we 'd love it we 'd put you guys to work on some different things we have going there so uh, if you 're interested. It, at all, and trekking out to LA. If you've never been to LA, um, if you know you just want to hang out, no, that's not what it's for. Um, we're going to we're going to help out there. A good friend of ours, Greg Chrisman, is a pastor out there, so we're going to get a team together. But if you're interested, I think Greg Miller will actually be leading uh, that team out there. So you can email Greg at denverfirehouse.com or, or talk to him talk to me but we'd love to give you an opportunity to go on on that trip so anyways that's the la picture you can flip it to the next slide here um i'm uh my name is rich i'm one of the pastors here at the firehouse church and so i just want to welcome you here this morning um i do want to maybe repeat that we are i want to welcome you to the firehouse church sometimes there's confusion about the firehouse um there's also, you might know, Firehouse Subs. Uh, yeah, I've seen commercials on them. We were around before they were around. Um, firehouse Car Wash. Um, they might have been around longer than us, I'm not sure. But uh, there's other ones out there, like uh, sometimes we get called uh, the, the Fireside Church. Well, we're not the Fireside Church. Sometimes I think even the Fireplace Church. No fireplaces here, no firesides. The Firehouse looks like an old fire station, though it was not. But, um, but I got a call this week, an interesting call, a guy called me Saturday, um, it's about a week ago, Saturday, late afternoon, evening, and he just calls me and says, hey, how do I get there? And, you know, it was really abrupt, like, okay, hey, how are you? You, get, you know, uh, who are you? And, uh, but he's like, yeah, how do I get there? And I was like, well, um, you, you want the address of the church, or what? And he's like, uh, there was a pause on the line, he goes... Uh, this is not the firehouse dispensary? And I was like, uh, no, it was, it was a little bit awkward. Um, but uh, anyways, we, uh, I've seen that place. It's not too far away. And I just have to say, their marketing, their logo, and the flame symbol uh, looks very suspiciously similar to the firehouse church. And, and once again, we were legal in the city long before the dispensary was. So... Uh, Anyways, one other thing, just kind of, oh, I don't know, maybe newsworthy, You've got an um, email this week to the church, just a request, it was an invocation request um, by this group, and, and so I was looking it over before I responded, and it was an invita- uh, invitation to do an invocation at the um, Association of Perioperative Registered Nurses Convention that's coming up in Denver. And so, uh, any of you going to that? Sarah Albert might be. I don't know. She probably could. She'd be qualified too. But um, before I responded, I thought I ought to look up what in the world is perioperative registers nurses convention is about. You know, and I, I didn't exactly know perioperative, so I looked it up, and it is um, pertains to uh, perioperative generally. This is this is from Wikipedia, world's finest source of information. Um, generally refers to three phases of surgery the, the preoperative the intraoperative and the post operative the goal of perioperative care is to provide better conditions for patients before operation during operation and after operation so I thought okay that's that's what they're about I, I think I could do the invocation the next thing I did before I replied was look up the definition of invocation um, <laughs> yes uh, Not not to be confused with uh, invitation, I could do an invitation there, I could do an inculcation, uh, not probably what they're looking for, but invocation, the action of invoking something or someone for assistance or as an authority, and I thought, you know, I can do that, I, I can pray for the perioperative convention that's going to happen, so I I told him that I would, but um, before we get started this morning, I'd like to do an invocation here, and uh, we would like to appeal to a higher authority, and um, you know, really, I'm just going to appeal to a higher authority, the highest authority I know, and ask that he might meet us here, and that he might bless this time, and he might make this time worthwhile to each one of us, and so let's let's just pray, and bow your heads with me, I'll do that real quick here. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning, and we do just look to you. I ask that you would bless every person who's here this morning. Um, God, you know where each one of us is at in our faith, in our journey, what's going on in our hearts and in our lives this morning, this week, Um, and I just ask you to meet us here. And and Father, I just ask you to bless uh, everyone for for making the choice to be here this morning, and we ask you to bless those that aren't able to be with us either, but um, God, I ask that you would teach us this morning, I ask the subject that we're going to talk about, that you would mark us by some of these verses we're going to look at here this morning, that you would change us, you would transform us, you would make us more like your Son. And Father, we just ask, I just ask for this blessing for all of us, and I just want to invoke the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray in his name, amen. All right, well... uh, if you're new with us, we are uh, in the in the middle of a series here that's called the Marks of a Disciple. And I'm going to do a quick review, and then we'll jump into this morning's subject here. So, um, Marks of a Disciple. Really, uh, last week, Greg Miller talked about the idea that, that a disciple is... Um, Really, a disciple is because he chooses to be uh, a disciple. And he talked about different choices that we must make related to following Jesus. And so, he I'll just review his list here real quick. He talked about the Word and things related to that. He talked about fellowship, spiritual fellowship. um, And he talked about serving and choices related to to giving and related to prayer. And those are five different areas of, of choices a disciple must make. Personally, You must choose those things if you're going to follow Christ, and that's not the complete list, but it's enough to keep us busy for a while. Um, and this morning, actually, I'm going to take a, a deeper look at what it means to be a disciple who's marked by the Word. I'm going to talk about what that means, and then the following weeks, I think next week, uh, Dennis Clark will be sharing related to... Uh, I think along the lines of of love and unity and spiritual fellowship and it happens to be the weekend of Valentine's so a great time to talk about love and loving one another and and Dennis I hope that's where you're going with it because I just uh, I just said that um but uh and if you haven't realized it Valentine's weekend next weekend get on that husband's you you I'm talking to you um Anyways, uh, the following week, Brad Albert is going to be sharing on the subject of being marked by by serving. And and I would even say specifically by having a servant's heart. We'll talk about things related to giving and sacrifice and the cross. Talk about faith. And those are a few of the upcoming weeks here. A couple weeks ago, I just... uh, tackled the question what is a disciple and why in the world would anyone want to be a disciple Um, we use just one verse to to frame our our definition there and it's not the only definition out there but using this verse we we talked about a disciple as a person who follows jesus and is transformed by jesus and joins jesus in his mission all related to jesus's call here he said follow me and i will make you In the fishers of men, and we follow him. He transforms us, and we join him on this mission. And really, that's uh, the essence of of being a disciple. And you know, that's one definition we're working with. Uh, It comes from a book that I've been reading as well, called Disciple Shift" and, and calling churches back, shifting gears back into aiming. For the goal of making disciples is what we're trying to do at a church here, our church. And so, um, another thing we talk about is why would anyone want to be a disciple? And, and the message was really, and again, related to this verse, that following Jesus is an adventure that will transform your life and your destiny. Your destiny meaning where you will spend eternity and who you will spend it with and really uh, i 'm convinced that following there is no greater adventure than truly following jesus and so um, and yet we just talked about that as an idea we didn 't get into some specifics of what does it actually mean to follow Jesus today. Um, you know I think back then it was maybe a little easier to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus because Jesus was like running around the the countryside there, walking on the hillsides, and doing traveling by the lakes, and if you followed Jesus, you you could tell you were following Jesus because where Jesus was, his disciples were, and they were following him, and at some point in time, some people decided, boy, I don't like what he has to say, I'm not following him anymore, and I would make the case, it seemed a little easier to follow Jesus back then, I don't know if you would feel the same way anyone think that might be true, I, I think so, I'm just like, there he is, there I am, here we go, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You know, and that would be the upside of hey, following him was a little more clear. The downside would be pretty much most every one of his close followers ended up losing their life for their faith and what they witnessed and what they testified to. And, and that was a Jesus said to Peter... You know, as he was telling him you 're going to die a certain death now come follow me and so there 's kind of a pros and cons, and then we have a different arrangement now, really, what does it mean to follow jesus today is, is what we 're going to talk about um, we 're going to use one verse here really to to kind of set the table it 's a verse that I believe has marked my life and, and would mark the life of any disciple and so i 'll just read this to you and, and we 'll um, we'll talk about it but it 's a passage in John chapter eight and um, you know, it just, I'll just read the whole thing. I've got just a few of the verses there, but um, six verses here say, "'To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, "'If you hold to my teaching,' or in this one says, "'If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. "'And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free.' "'And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants. "'We have never been slaves of anyone. "'How can you say we shall be set free?' And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Uh, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so, um, you know, Jesus was preaching and he was talking to these crowds and um, some of them actually came to believe he was the Savior who was to come. He was the Messiah and some did not and and he went on to you know to discuss this but this phrase here, this verse this one's in the New American Standard but I, I, I think it's just such a, a monumental passage but it says to those who had believed in him, if you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine. And as a church, we've been talking about the idea that, um, you know, each one of us is at different phases of the journey of following Jesus. You know, um, I know when I first started coming to church, and maybe it's true of you if you're visiting, but I came to church and I was not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. I thought I was, I claimed to be a Christian, but as I, I... came to figure some things out I really wasn't actually a believer in Jesus Christ as my savior yet and, um, and I don't know where you're at but I hope that you would look at even this, this list here of just four different categories and identify where do you think you are at and where do you think God wants you to go next and, and just think through this list you know three of these categories are just mentioned in this verse right here he said to those who had believed in him he was talking hey you guys believe in me and now, here's how to be a disciple. You're a believer. Here's how to be a true disciple. And yet, to be a believer also implied, hey, hey you guys believe. And the other guys uh, who I was just talking with here, there's people who don't believe. And then there's those who do believe. And to you, I say, let's be disciples. and Let me show you the way to be a disciple. And and then beyond that, you can't be a disciple who's really trying to follow Jesus and obey his word without eventually obeying verses that say, now, now you go and make disciples, and really the journey of being a disciple is—you know—we're each in different phases here, and um, you know as a church we just want to grow in this whole process of of helping those who are not believers yet to to hear the good news and to be able to respond to the good news so they can be a believer in Jesus, and then we want to help those who are believers to uh, to learn what it means to obey His commands and uh, and to follow Him as as it talks about there this verse we're looking at in Matthew twenty-eight just says make disciples and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then we want to help equip disciples to go on then to, to like Jesus said, come follow me and, and let's get fishing for the souls of men here. And so uh, we want to help people wherever they're at, wherever you're at. And um, But it starts with you identifying where you're at and what might be the next step in your world. And the, the cool thing about this whole series and about following Jesus is that the initial disciples were, most all of them were at the very beginning. And some of them, you know, it said he did miracles just even to help them believe. These guys didn't start off with some rock-solid faith from the beginning. They just responded to Jesus when he said, come on, guys, follow me. And as they did, their lives were transformed, and their faith grew, and they became disciples, and they became disciple-makers. They eventually went on to be martyrs for their faith and what they'd witnessed and what they proclaimed. And uh, But it all started simply by just... Going, you know what? I'm in. I'll follow you as best I understand. The goal of this series is to help people maybe better understand what it means to follow Jesus. And so, again, this morning we're going to talk about one specific facet. And, and that's about uh, a disciple is one who's marked by, by God's word, marked by the word here. And um, we're going to look at really what that means. You've got a handout here. I think there's some blanks to fill out. This one, uh, a disciple must be committed to Jesus and to his word. I want to explain what that means. You know, the blank is and. Very profound, very complicated word, and. But, but the point is, to follow Jesus, you got to do both. You, to follow, you, we need to follow him, and yet we also need to live by his word. Sometimes people can disassociate those two, and there's a couple errors people can make if they just go, well, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I follow God, or... Or else they just go, I follow this book, and there's we need both of these things here. And I want to talk about, um, to follow Jesus today, it means, one, to live by his word, and two, to be led by his spirit. That's how we follow him today, to live by his word, and to be led by his spirit. And and you know, the error sometimes we can make is, uh, someone will say, and I've heard this time and time again, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, I, some might even say, I follow Jesus. And then it, if you know their life at all, you go, Jesus would never want you to do that. And Jesus actually speaks against that. And Jesus, and eventually you go, um, you know, I think about this song. I don't know about you. Anyone know Depeche Mode at all? Yeah, it's like, if you dare, raise your hand. It's, a, it's an 80s band at least. And maybe the 90s they spilled over too as well. And they have a song about your own personal Jesus. Anyone want to sing that with me? your own personal, uh, yeah, it's terrible, um, (laughs) terrible rendition. But um, all I know is that I heard this song many times, and it was never, I don't think Depeche Mode was a worship band, let's just say that. Um, um, But sometimes people can live like that. They say, I'm a Christian, and they end up following their own personal Jesus, someone to hear your prayers, someone to dance with, or whatever, however the song goes. But, um, you know, it's just this disassociation with the Jesus they're following. Does not seem to be the Jesus of the Bible. Does not seem to be the Jesus of Nazareth. The Jesus who said sexual immorality is evil. The Jesus who said... You and I will be judged, lust in our hearts will be judged as adultery. The Jesus who said, if you find something leading you into sin, cut off your hand. Stop doing it. Some people made up their own Jesus that they follow. And he's the Jesus that doesn't have a problem with sin at all, especially sexual sin. Or, you know, he's just, he doesn't really care about any of that. And eventually people's view of Jesus are going to get reconciled with the one True Jesus, the, the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who will judge us. You know, Jesus said this at one point, and this was a verse that when I was on my journey, it scared, I'll say it scared the hell out of me. It scared hell out of me. I thought I was a, a believer, a, a Christian, I'm going to heaven. And I, I heard a pastor share this verse in, in different situations, but Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus speaking, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Somewhere along the way, we can say we follow Jesus, but when push comes to shove, there's going to be a day where Jesus says, uh, he either says, yeah, this one's with me, look at their life, look how they lived, look at their testimony. Or he's going to say, you know what? I never actually knew you. As a matter of fact, the life you lived claiming to be a Christian did damage to my name and my reputation, and there's going to be judgment for your life. And we have to be careful that if we say we follow Jesus or we're a Christian, someday the real question, for me, that blew my cover. I heard uh, some Someone preaching about this, and I'm going, you know, I'll explain. I could tell my friends while I'm a Christian, I, I got a few good verses in my pocket, and but eventually, if I appeared before Jesus and he said, uh, you know, should I let you into heaven? And I'd be like, Yeah, because I was a good person. I, I never sinned. I, you know, and he's going, I know everything about you, and and I don't know you. You don't belong here. And it scared the hell out of me, because I I realize someday it's not going to be my appearance, my claiming to be a Christian, my saying I follow Jesus, someday Jesus is actually going to say, this one's with me, or this one's not with me, and my hope is that you all realize that there will be a a real reckoning there, and it, it, it gave me pause, this verse marked my life, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and we need to realize that. And so we need to live by his word and not our own personal Jesus. We actually have to obey the things that he taught. And the other side of the coin is we need to be led by his spirit, you know, versus just living by a book. We might say, oh, I've got the book. I'm just trying to live by the book. It says here in the book, turn it right side up, it says here in the book, um, do this in this situation, okay, and do this in this situation. And, and we can live by a book. And yet that's not what it means to, to be a disciple of Jesus either. It does mean to live by his word and yet to be led by his spirit. You know, I think of other, other religions, other philosophies. You can live by the writings of, of uh, Plato or Socrates or Socrates, I think it's actually called. Um, no, just joking. Another bad 80s reference to a movie there. Okay, um, Socrates. Um, but you can live by a bunch of different writings and it, it'll affect your life. But you know, as a Christian, we're, we're not called to just live by the writings of this guy who once lived and has now uh, left the planet. We're called to, to live by these words along with the Jesus who said, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Along with the one who says, when you come to believe the good news about him, you receive his spirit. And it's a both being led by his spirit and living by his word. And so we, we need to catch that if we're going to follow Jesus today. It's not one or the other. It's not the the book and the, there's no facet of his spirit or anything supernatural it's, we're just living by a book or the other side of it is not this make your own god it's, it's a Jesus who actually had some very clear things to say about heaven and hell and life and purpose. And, and so we need to do both. And, and that's our heart, that we'd be marked by the word, that we'd be marked by both of those. This morning we're only going to talk about being marked by the word. We could do a whole other teaching and we, we might sign up for one of those as well on following his spirit. But we're just going to continue to talk about his word. And really, just a couple practicals. Um, uh, some verses here. Again, another place Jesus said... Uh, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'm often convicted by this. I pray Lord all the time. Lord, help me in this and Lord. And, and he said, Hey, why, why call me Lord if you're not doing what I say, um, to be Lord actually means you're, you're yielded to me as your master, as your highest authority here. Another place he said, um, you know, here's who my mother and my brothers are. Uh, he said, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. You know, we need to be hearing what he has to say. And, and I hope you make the connection here. There's a very close connection to Jesus and the word. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God goes on to say about Jesus, the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. There is a very close association with the word of God and the words of Jesus. And, you know, it's not just saying, hey, take, take Jesus' words, the, the letters in red in your Bible, and, and live by those. Jesus was God in the flesh, and there's his words. And yet Jesus often quotes scriptures from the Old Testament as well. And we need to live by the word of God and the words of Jesus here. And really, that's, uh, that's what it means to be marked by His Word, is is to obey and to live by the teachings of Jesus and, and the Word of God in general. And I hope you catch that. Um, you know, we're going to look at some practice. Okay, that makes sense, but how? How do I do that? How do I get started doing that? How do I grow in that? Let's, let's look at that. Um, this one here, we've got a few... Um, there's some few examples I just want to give you, but another verse, classic verse here that has marked our church, our movement of churches, Great Commission churches. It's, it's this one in James 1.22. It says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You know, we we live by the word, by obeying God's word, by obeying, by applying it as best you understand it. And... As you start doing that, God will will affect your understanding. I have a few stories just to share with you on that, but um, I I remember I was reading the Bible and reading through the Proverbs and reading different places, but I came across this phrase. Some of you might have heard the, the phrase casting the lot. Have you ever heard of casting the lot? Two good proverbs I memorized on it, just because I was memorizing proverbs at the time. But one says, um, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And it's this idea, almost like flipping a coin. You can flip a coin, and whatever the result is, you can trust it. The Lord is sovereign, and it's from the Lord. Another place it says, casting the lot keeps strong opponents apart, and it settles disputes. And there's a way that you can kind of cast the lot, flip a coin, do something, and go, alright, your turn this time. And I've used this in parenting uh, on occasion as well. But uh, um, but I was reading, and there's a reference in the New Testament. I'm, I'm a young believer, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and in the New Testament, Acts, it talks about they cast the lot to figure out who was going to replace Judas as the twelfth uh, apostle there. And and it went to this one guy, and you I'm going, okay, I can apply this to my life. I'm going to apply God's word. Cast a lot means... Flipping a coin, you know, that's my understanding at the time. And so, I remember this one time I wanted to just get some time away with God. I wanted to, I'm in Colorado here, I'm from New Mexico originally, but i like, I want to get to the mountains. So I'm going to start driving at every intersection, I'm going to flip a coin, and I'm going to trust the Lord to lead me to the glorious mountains, you know. And I started flipping the coin, and flipping the coin, and turning, I'm going, this is not what I was expecting. Flip the coin, and eventually I end up at the, some of you might know this place, Pawnee National Grasslands. Have you ever, anyone ever been there I'm sorry sorry for you that's uh it's uh you don't come to Colorado for the Pawnee National Grasslands and uh you know I kind of was like you know I let that exercise go I applied God's word and and then I went back to the mountains um but eventually I was telling this to my small group leader I was going yeah you know I was just applying this verse and and he said well you know um you know that the casting a lot the last time it was mentioned was right there before the disciples were given the Holy Spirit and they began following his spirit and and I was like I did not know that. Um, Note to self, don't cast a lot so much anymore. Follow the Spirit. Um, But I just simply was acting on what I understood, and then God graciously adjusted my understanding, and, and has been doing it ever since. But I encourage you, as you read your Bible, as you look at it at face value, as you understand it, do it and it'll begin to change your life and, and you'll get an understanding if you're doing something really dumb. Someone who loves you enough will come alongside you and maybe gently help you to see the air of your way. Um, I remember another time uh, I'd become a Christian and I was just really excited about my relationship with God and this other girl in the church um Same thing, she became a Christian, she kind of had her story, I had mine, and you know, some different challenges and hardships along the way, and we started spending some time together, and I started reading the Bible, and you know, sharing, wow, this is a verse I read, and she'd share, oh, this is a verse I read, and we started spending a lot of time together, Um, and, and I remember one time this this friend who loved me, uh, was helping me to follow Jesus, he came up alongside me and said, yeah, I, I noticed you're a lot of time with, you know, what's her name there, and uh, what's going on, and you know, I was just like, yeah, we're, we're just hanging out a lot, late nights, uh, you know, we got up early the other morning, went out to uh, do communion while the sun was rising over Fort Collins, and, you know, just kinda, it was just really cool, and I was like, yeah, you know, we're breaking bread together, and we thought, you know, we're, we're doing this communion here, the sun's rising, we might as well hold hands and start praying together, and, you know, and he, he starts going okay, it's interesting um, and, but eventually he said well, you know, that's great, she seems like a nice gal but I got a question for you um, are you thinking you're gonna go down this road with her and maybe you want to marry her someday and I was just shocked, like Marriage, I don't even know, I'm just, we're just breaking bread, we're just holding hands and hanging out all the time, marriage is, and he said, well, well here's the deal, you know, if you keep spending this time with this girl, and, and she starts liking you more and more, and eventually, if you kind of are not leading this to marriage, guess what's going to happen? You're going to break her heart. And I was like, ah! You're right. No, not thinking marriage here. Uh, breaking heart. I've, I've got a lot of experience with getting my heart broken and breaking others' hearts. And, and I realized I had a lot of re- experience with relationships. Most all of it was bad. And I wanted to do things differently. He said, you know, there's this proverb that talks about, uh, above all else, guard your heart. One translation says, guard your affections. And just because you feel something doesn't mean you just start spilling your beans with someone there. Another place it says, don't show favoritism. You know, treat uh, your brothers and sisters with the same love of Christ equally, you know, and eventually you'll get married and you want to play favorites, that's what your spouse is for, your favorite for the rest of your life. But in the meantime, if you start playing favorites with this girl, you know all the other girls on your small group, they're kind of like, why aren't you spending time with me? Don't, don't I deserve that? Aren't I significant? Um, and, and I started seeing, whoa, there's this whole other way of approaching relationships. And it blew my mind, and you know what, I'll be honest with you, I started applying some of these verses and they changed my life they changed my relationships the result has been beyond what i could have ever imagined for marriage and going into marriage and it was a different world but it started by being someone who simply applied god's word as i understood it i'd encourage you to think about doing the same you know the verses go on and you start to learn hey there's some verses that now apply to you in marriage that didn't apply to you before and and marriage is just a easy piece of cake, right? I mean, it's just all the time. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Don't forget Valentine's Day here, guys. Uh, um, But, uh, you know, there's verses. I started realizing there's some verses about loving and respecting and, and some roles that God has, some assignments for marriage. And one of the lessons I learned in marriage related to God's Word had to do with Forgiveness. You learn a lot about forgiveness and God's love expressed through forgiveness in marriage. And I remember uh, I heard a quote once. One of the lessons that has marked me is there's a quote by Billy Graham's uh, wife, Ruth Graham Bell. She said this about marriage. You guys want a secret on marriage? Here's one for you right here. Write this down. Um, but she said, the secret to a good marriage is, is two good forgivers and separate bathrooms. Two good forgivers in separate bathrooms, right? Probably the greatest part is the separate bathrooms. And, you know, you're brushing your teeth side to side here and figuring out, you know, hey, you're messing. I'm trying to do my hair, honey. Um, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, uh, no, but the, she, the emphasis was on two good forgivers. And you know what? Uh, I got married and realized I was not as a good a forgiver as I thought I was. And, and I realized I married... Uh, You know, another follower of Christ that might not have kind of been expecting the challenges and having to seek forgiveness as much as we've had to along the ways. And yet, some verses kicked in, you know. Jesus said this, I don't know where you're at with forgiveness. This could be marriage or not marriage, any other relationship you have. But Jesus said, um, you know, if you forgive others... um, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. And there's a great emphasis as you look through the New Testament. Jesus' teaching is more on how good are you at forgiving. Because at some point in time, if you realize you're not forgiving others, Jesus said very clearly, you you better watch out because you might not be forgiven by your Heavenly Father. And you might claim that you are, and you might say that you are, but if you're not passing on the forgiveness that Christ has passed on to you, Jesus has made it real clear in the Scriptures um, there, there's going to be probably trouble someday. Another place in Ephesians, uh, another great verse that helped me kind of realize, you know, I, I need to focus on being a better forgiver here. Um, Ephesians uh, 4.32 just says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, Just as God in Christ forgave you. Um, You know, there's something about if you've received forgiveness for your sins through Jesus being punished for them. It's real clear you cannot hold someone else uh, in unforgiveness. You cannot be like, I want the freedom and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus gave me. And I'm going to be a real stickler with you. Some some point in time that does not reconcile well before God and before the throne of Christ, and so we had to make sure. And I realized, you know, I wasn't as good a forgiver as I thought I was, and my wife probably grew in that as well. And it's been monumental. Obeying those verses has marked my marriage. Uh, I think of some of you who get these—you get married and you get these little critters start showing up uh, at the hospital there, and you know how how that all that happens. I don't know, but um, um, but. It does, and then you got some new verses to obey. Verses like this, uh, you know, well, what? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Quick question for you, how do you think they're going to learn to obey their parents, um, if it's not by their parents? You know, I don't think God has made it very clear. They're going to obey their parents based on... You teaching them to obey their parents. A couple of great proverbs on that to think about. One says, uh, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it." Proverbs twenty two six. Another proverb says this: "Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from them." You know, uh, parents, you have a responsibility to train your children in a way that. Uh, you know, another place here in Ephesians it says, uh, "Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord." You got some new verses to apply if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're married and you have kids or, or even if you're not married and have kids, there's new verses to apply and, and you need to be engaged. And if you don't train folly out of your children, guess what happens? The foolish children grow up to be foolish adults. Adults who don't understand basic concepts of of discipline and uh, civility and things like that. And we have a society that is increasingly, and we have high schools and others that are increasingly full of children who never learned, oh, I can't throw a fit anytime I don't get my way. Uh, I actually need to be disciplined over my spirits and, and control myself. And... Um, But I just encourage you, parents, if you're following Jesus, there's some things to engage in. And, and, you know, there's all sorts of verses about all sorts of things. But once you start reading these verses and knowing them, they start to work on you. A couple great verses here that that speak to that. Um, This one here, um, Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work, and you who believe. When you start letting God's word uh, come into your life, it starts to work on you. It starts to change your marriage, your parenting, your life, your character, Um, and Romans 12, uh, 2 just talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you're exposed to God's word, it makes your mind think in line with what God thinks, and it transforms you. The word for transforming there is the same word we get metamorphosis. If you let yourself come in contact with God's word, it will transform your thinking and your life. And um, another verse here, so that's obeying it. You know, uh, another facet here we want to talk about is just um, this. This one here, and then really this is our, our last, um, last section. Alright. Um, man does not live on bread alone. Jesus said, um, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, we, we need food to nourish us uh, in our day-to-day physical lives. How many of you um, have had food today? Or plan to have it later today? Or maybe tomorrow, because you're fasting today. I, I, I know some of you. You know, we cannot live very long, like uh, Jeremy was talking about in the worship. There are some things that are essential to our lives. And Jesus took the uh, essentialness of bread and said, just as this fuels you physically, it nourishes you, you have got to be nourished by God's Word. And it has to fuel your spiritual life, your relationship with God. And so there's obeying God's Word. But I think another facet of it is... Um, just using God's Word to, to nourish your relationship with God. To use it as a catalyst for your relationship with God. Um, you know, another place it talks about, give us our daily bread. You know, I think that's physical as well as spiritually. Are you getting daily bread? Somewhere along the way, if you follow Jesus, you got to start learning to feed yourself. Uh, I'm afraid in this day and age, with all the technology that we have, and all the things you can have access to online, we've gotten to where it's kind of like, um, you know a baby starts off, a parent has to be real involved with feeding them, but eventually they learn to feed themselves, eventually they learn to cook, things like that. But unfortunately spiritually speaking, I think we live in a generation where People are getting spoon-fed and spoon-fed and spoon-fed, and they actually never really learn how to feed themselves, and much less to feed others, because they're just taking it in through the. Oh, there's a great uh, YouTube clip here, and there's a great uh, teaching online there, and there's this all this thing. It's like Gerbers, spiritual Gerbers everywhere, and you know it's it tastes pretty good, and yet it's very different than you and I feeding ourselves and having a personal relationship with God through His Word. And and I hope that we'd be a church of men and women who are maturing and and not only feeding ourselves, but we're able to feed others and cook for others because of our relationship with God. And that's what type of disciples we want to be. It's what type of disciples we're called to be. You know, when I think of, um, you know, Jesus said, uh, there's space pets is a good verse there. Um, um, You know, when I think of obeying God's word, in some ways you can go, I, I obey all those principles and things like that, but... When I'm talking about this, it's more of a relational facet of God's Word. And I remember the first time I, I heard God, I think, speak to me through His Word was this time I was spending a lot of time with this girl. And we're reading the Bible, and she's reading the Bible and said, I read this verse, and I shared this verse with her. And she's like, oh, that's cool. And, um, but I just remember one time, I, I spent a lot of time, and we were just encouraging one another, and uh, late at a restaurant and things like that, and I went home to read, and I read this verse in um, Psalm 55 and verse 14, I think it was, and I think I might have even been reading the one-year Bible, but it just described this time of of sweet fellowship that, you know, the, the writer had there, and I just thought, you know, that, to me, is like God just described the the time of fellowship I just had uh, yesterday. And this verse is kind of like, it's like he was there and he was like, was it like this? And I was just like, Lord this is totally what, and and I share that verse, and and, you know, it was kind of like God began speaking to me, but there's a way that, not only in principle, can you read the Bible, and oh, I got a good principle to obey today, there's a way that God just starts fueling your relationship with Him, and you can thank Him, God, that was sweet fellowship, and and you provided that, and that was very cool, and and there's times where He'll meet you, and it's not a, a principle thing, it's a very relational thing. Um, another example for me this week. I had I had a challenging week in some ways. I had some things going on. There was uh, some attacks on me personally, my character, and some things that were not true said about me. Some things that were unkind and harsh. And um, you know, I just I only caught a fraction of that conversation that was going on about me. But the the amount that I caught was enough to go. This is not cool. This grieves my heart. It's not true. Um, and, and as I was reading the Psalms, just even recently, in the last couple of days, one of my favorite all time Psalms related to, to hard times uh, in life is, is Psalm 31. And just even this morning, this passage here, uh, I was just encouraged by it in a personal way. And I just thank the Lord for it. And um, you know, it just says Psalm 31 and, and 14 says, I'm trusting you, O Lord. Saying, you are my God, my future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant and your unfailing love rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced, let them lie silent in the grave. Silence their lying lips, those, who, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. And it just goes on to just... Uh, the psalmist is just pouring out his heart. God, I'm feeling attacked by people who are lying. And I just, this morning, going, you know, Lord, I can relate and thank you that I can trust you. And, you know, goes on to talk about he's a refuge. You can take refuge in him and he'll pour out his blessing on you. And, you know... Um, I don't know what's going on in your world, but if you get still and, and open up a Bible and ask God to meet you there, sometimes He can meet you in ways that you would not believe possible just by opening a book and, and listening to the voice of His Spirit, you know? And so, um, anyways... Uh, space pets another acronym you could just some of you might have heard it before i think rick warren talks about space pets it's a way to uh, uh, each one of those is a way to apply god's word to your life s is for sin to confess you might be reading something and go you know what i am completely out of line with god's word in this area confess it is sin thank him for his forgiveness and move on p uh, a promise to claim a promise to believe i think it is a might be an attitude to change c might be a command to obey E might be an error to avoid. You're reading about, boy, I can't believe they did that. And you're looking at a situation going, ah, oh, I, I see how I can make that same mistake. P, a prayer to pray. Uh, another E is an example to follow. T, uh, truth, to, truth to believe. And then S is, I forget what S is, something else to apply to your word, to your life. There's something. Just, uh, but the point is, God's Word is designed to come into your life, you can bring it into prayer, you can look for things to obey, you can listen for Him to correct or adjust your, your course if you need it, but um, it's designed to be a relational fuel for our spiritual lives, and so it helps us stay on the path. And, you know, we're just going to close with, um, how much time we got here? I got prompted for, it. yep, yeah, let's see here. Um, I'm going to have a guy just share a quick slice of life here. But, you know, I'm just going to close to you thinking about these things. A disciple is marked by obeying and living by the teachings of Jesus and the Word of God. A disciple is marked by obeying, really, the Word of God. Are you? Are you marked by obeying the Word of God? Um, You know, we're, we're all at different places in our spiritual journey. Maybe the transition from not being a believer to being a believer is uh, to, like this verse says, repent and believe the good news. One of Jesus' first public messages was, hey guys, the the time's coming, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The Savior's here, you know, and um, maybe it's time to do that, to trust Jesus as your Savior. Maybe it's time to commit to following Jesus as your Lord by actually doing what He says and, and obeying the Bible. Maybe it's time to get baptized. You know, Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples. And baptizing them. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Maybe it's time you go, I'm a believer. It's time to get baptized. Um, And, or, you know, maybe it's a time to go, you know what? I've been a believer forever. I've been kind of obeying these verses. I better get around to making disciples. Like Jesus said to. Because uh, if I'm following his word, I, I can't do that without... Obeying Matthew twenty eight nineteen and 20 here. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them. And, you know, I just wanted to have someone just share a quick slice of life here. Um, and I get the mic up here just to kind of illustrate some of this. There's a guy that I've been getting to know here recently in our church. Michael, you want to come up here real quick? And, uh, you know, I've been getting to know Michael. He's been joining us now for, uh, boy, I don't know, since this past summer. Is that right? right. Yeah, and... Um, You know, I've just been seeing him grow and start doing some things. And actually, um, uh, you know, I'll just let him share a little of what's going on in his life here. But I think he's an illustration of a guy who's starting to go, you know what, I I need to read God's Word and I need to obey it. And it's going to change continue to change his life. Why don't you share uh, just on that thing. I asked him this morning to share because I didn't want him to, to be nervous and get worried. And uh, and so uh, there's just pros and cons to that. Uh, he's right. going to kill me later. But
1: uh, Throw him to the wolves.
0: <laughs> but anyways, why don't you just share some things going on in your world.
1: Um, so uh, pretty much God just kind of sent me on a path to coming out here to Denver. I never foresaw myself coming out here. Um, he did, however, put on my heart that... Uh, I was to warn people in some form or another at some point um, he sent me lots of grand you know ideas of what that might be, none of them were always pretty um so there was a lot of soul searching and and you know what that meant, what it really meant um you know, and then a lot of looking into the Bible, you know just so that i 'm on the same page um so i 'm not you know wandering off being one of these crazy people that just you know you see on the corners just. Uh, saying things and everybody just regards them. Anyways um, in doing that at one point um, I had a radio in my car and uh, for some reason it didn't always work and I think um, you know now I look back at it and now I still got that radio and it still does the same thing. Um, Sometimes it's just the water probably in the car that just shorten it out but You know, I I think God uses some of these little things in life just to kind of, you know, wake us up at the right points. Um, Anyways, uh, every day, well, not every day, but like it usually wouldn't work. And then all of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere, two o'clock after I'm leaving my job, suddenly the radio's working. And, you know, after a while, these things would happen, you know, and I'd be like, well, maybe God's trying to tell me something. So then, uh, you know, I just kept looking for different people on the radio, um, pastors on the radio and things like that. And, you know, he'd listen to random ones to see, you know, does this apply, does this seem to be hitting towards me? And, you know, over time, it just seemed to be like Charles Stanley down in Atlanta. I don't know if you all have heard of him. Um, But he would be on there and he'd be speaking some things and it just seemed like every time I heard him, it had to do with something. And one day, um, you know... He he was talking about you know uh, let's pray and talk and ask God to send us you know you know what we're supposed to do because sometimes life is confusing and you don't always know what to do and put on us right now whatever you pray on what the first thing comes to your mind go and do it it was like his challenge to to get you up and go and do it Um, because some of us I think you know you, you go through life and you get so used to putting everything in the background and you get used to transitioning from job to life and. And uh, you know how to put things in their boxes. But sometimes we don't always just know how to just trust God and and step off that edge and, you know, let everything else work out. And so that first thing that he, you know, I prayed with him while he was saying that at 2 o'clock after work. um, In my car on the way home. And, uh, you know, what he came to mind was is that I need to get baptized and, uh, and then in the background of that was, you know, I need to go and do what he's been pushing me to do to warn. And so, you know, the first thing, it was the first thing. So I said, all right, then I obviously need to go get baptized. Um, I grew up kind of loose um, Christian faith, all my life, um, community type of uh, Christian. Um, baptism was never hugely important because it was always about the spirit. You know, as long as you're spiritually baptized you know, with God, you're at least okay, but really showing it is another part, you know, and, and being able to make a stand in the world, and that's really why, you know, kind of like my my understanding of why we do this, is to, to make a stand and make a statement, and and then scripturally, you know, Jesus did it, you know, and then he started his work, he didn't start his work, you know, essentially first, he did all his stuff after that, and so, I I said to God, I said, you know, if that's what you want me to do, then, you know, I don't have a church right now. I was kind of in between. Um, I said, send me somebody, you know, either down the road, you know, let me stumble on them if I need to, whatever it is. You know, send me on a path to find them, whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I prayed that prayer. And then uh, I happened to text my brother and say, hey, you know, I'm feeling like I need to do this. You know, what do you think? And he's like, man, I've been thinking the same thing. So then we decided then that we would do it together. And he's like, well, where do we go? I said, I don't know. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go pray. I said, God, uh, you know, send me somebody for us to go get baptized by, um, you know, whatever it is. And I told him, I said, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to trust and and let that happen. And uh, then came the time where I was going to, you know, all of a sudden God sent me this opportunity to come out here and uh he challenged me again already you know are you going to take this so i came out here on the way through i started emailing you know rich here through the church and you know i don't know what really caught my eye so much but it just something did and you know i think really maybe it was the the just the something was mentioned somewhere about the baptism it seemed comfortable to me so you know, I just, I, I went with it. And at one point I mentioned to Rich here, you know, hey, uh, I think God's put this on my heart to, to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my my brother was going to bring my kids down. They live up in Minnesota. That's where I'm originally from. Um, to uh, come bring them for the holidays. And I told, I asked Rich here if he'd be willing to baptize us then. And he said, sure. So he made time for us on the 27th of December mm-hmm. uh, to dip in the cold uh, bucket in the back there, <laughs> and uh, you know, again, uh, are you going to do this or not? Because you know, it's cold. <laughs> so, yeah. uh-huh. so we both did it right then and there, and uh, so that's kind of uh, yeah. s- you know our our story into this place. And now I'm waiting to see where God wants me to go from there. Amen. That's okay.
0: Good. That's good. All right. Thank you, Alright you know, it's been fun just to watch uh, Michael join us here and then jump right in and, and start, you know, I was just talking to him uh, last week or the week before. You know, he came, we baptized him and his brother, and uh, it was that was a good time. We got back from Christmas break, we baptized him in the morning, and we drove. I drove out to Frontline Conference after that. and um, But, you know, he's just been, it seems like God's brought him here. I told him, I think God might have brought you out here to Colorado to... To learn how to be a disciple and and to begin making disciples and and i've already been praying with him like god who who do you want michael to take under his wing he's just learning and starting on this journey but jesus didn't give any prerequisites to you know if you've been baptized you can tell someone else how to get baptized if you've come to believe in christ you can tell them how you came to believe and each one of us has the opportunity to help someone else along no matter where we're at in our journey so i've just been encouraged by his his steps there we got him a one-year bible uh, might have been our last one-year bible at the info table we might have to get some more but uh, i know he's gotten started reading that and trying to apply the word to his life as best he understands it and my hope is that every one of you would be doing that that you'd be um, just get in the word daily and apply it as best you understand it and and get ready for god to transform your life here and i'm excited about uh, what God has for us as a church is we all continue to do this and we all continue to grow uh, more like Christ through through obeying his word and, and applying it to our relationship here. So we're going to go ahead and pray and, and call it a morning here. I think we are trying to get on the schedule here for baptisms. Um, it's, uh, boy, we're talking about, not next week, maybe in three weeks from now. So we can talk. I know some of you are interested in that um, and are, are ready for that. But we'd love to... To fill up the bucket, we've not called it the bucket before, but it is a cattle tank officially. There, Michael, come on, bro. Um, Not a bucket, but you know, we fill that up and we'll uh, baptize you if you're up for it, boy. You know, and uh, we like to do that uh, as a whole church, just because it's encouraging to watch people uh, take that step of faith to go public about, you know. Trusting Jesus as their Savior and wanting to begin to follow Him as their Lord. And so um, I encourage you to think about that. If you can't wait till three weeks from now, that's okay too. We can fill it up any time here. we we got two hoses and we get a hot water and a cold water. And there's more cold water than hot. But uh, we'd be glad to to get that going here. And so um, anyways, I'll pray and we'll just continue on with this, this day. Uh, well, Lord Jesus, we do just thank you that you... Um, You desire to actively disciple each one of us. Lord, I pray that the next time every person here opens their Bible, that they would hear from you. Whether it's to encourage, uh, to instruct, to correct, to rebuke, whatever you think we need. Lord, I pray that we would hear from you. We would bring your word into our our lives, our relationship with you. and uh, That it would nourish and, and fuel and feed our spiritual lives, Lord. I pray you'd help everyone here know where they're at with you and what might be the next step. God, I pray you would make the Firehouse Church a, a church um, that is making disciples. Uh, Lord, that we would be um, a church that multiplies disciples. That those who want to make a disciple go out and, and try to find and help somebody who, who might not yet believe in you. And, and teach them to follow you and, and teach them to become fishers of the souls of men. And, and Lord, we just ask for your help in all of this. Pray you bless the rest of our series here. Bless the rest of our day. We, we ask for this blessing in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us here uh, this morning. Again, Wednesday nights we have small groups where um, you can discuss some of these things a little more um, uh, personally with those kind of in your same season of life. So love to see you there Wednesday night as well. Have a great day.